So we, we need to make sure, again, as leaders and, and, and bringing in outside capital, we need to make sure we're properly servicing that capital. It's one thing to raise it, it's another thing to service it as you're going on later. So we need to make sure those investor reports are getting out on a timely basis and accurately, and that they're telling, you know, telling the story of what's going on with the facility that investors uh, you know, put their hard-earned money in. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build multiple streams of passive income through real estate investing. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Tom Dunkel. Today we're talking about self-storage investing, how it works, and how Tom and his partner got started and shifted into self-storage investing. We're also talking about how he and his partner apply the lessons from the business book, Who Not How?, to their business. Who Not How is a very popular business book that I have to admit, I haven't actually read yet. It's on my list, I haven't made it to it, but it has been recommended to me by so many successful real estate investors that I will absolutely be reading it once I'm done with the other highly recommended books that are on my list. But today we're talking about how Tom and his business partner apply those lessons to their business to grow. And to this point, they've acquired about $25 million worth of self-storage real estate, and they have much bigger goals that they're actively pursuing. And I bet they're going to get there to continue to grow their business. And it's all about who, not how. Today, we dig into how they apply that methodology to their business. Great lessons in this one. If you're out there, if you want to learn about self-storage investing, this is a great one. You also want to learn about growing your own real estate investing business and maybe the best way to do it, bring people on, apply the who, not how methodology to your real estate investing business. Great lessons. You're going to learn a lot. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor and I focus on commercial multifamily and self-storage investments. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Fill out the form and schedule a call, and we'll look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And if you know anyone who could use a little more passive wealth in their lives, please do share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Once again, our guest today is Tom Dunkel. We're digging into self-storage investing and how to grow as a self-storage investor. Now he's gotten a 25 million in assets under management with much more on the way by applying the who, not how methodology. Let's go. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business, can you tell us about what you do and what you're investing in in the self-storage space? Uh, yeah, sure, Taylor. Thanks for having me today. Pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, so Bellrose Storage Group, uh, we are investors in self-storage facilities in the eastern United States. Uh, our bread and butter is acquiring existing facilities that are being poorly run. Uh, there's moms and pops out there who uh, maybe built this facility from the ground up and, and they're, not, they're not really experienced operators, but they're getting their check every month in the mail. And so they don't necessarily have to do a lot of marketing or you know, looking for new customers or you know, keeping this place spruced up or using the latest technologies because they just get used to getting that money every month and they don't want to rock the boat. They're, they're off doing other things. Uh, a lot of times it's a side business. So, so we come in and we have a, a number of value add strategies we, uh, we can put in place 
And, uh, and we do that and we're able to achieve some nice returns for our investors in a pretty short period of time because we, we get in there and run the facility professionally. Great, great. And the mom and pops are, are a great target for finding value. I think one thing a lot of folks ask when they start trying to learn about self-storage investing is how to find and, and really recognize that value. How do I know if I'm looking at a good deal, a bad deal, no deal at all? What are your thoughts about that? Sure. Well, of course, the you know, facility is one thing, but we spend a lot of time looking at the market because I'd, I'd rather own a mediocre facility in a great market than vice versa. So, <laughs> so we we spend, and that's you know that book over your shoulder, multifamily millions by Dave Windom, I mean, and he has the same philosophy, right? I mean, he's looking for that that market that's really strong and growing. And we do the same thing for self-storage. So we're looking at population, even if the population maybe isn't necessarily growing, that it can still be a good market because maybe it's under an undersupplied market. There's not enough self-storage. But we do like markets where the population's growing, jobs are growing, you know, crime is low, income is high, not too high, but high. And so th- those are a number of things that we look at. Back to the supply side of things, we're, we're, we are looking at the competitors. We're looking at how close they are to, to this target facility. And you know, what are their rates? What is their occupancy? So we're really uh, going through the market with a fine-tooth comb there. So how do you handle that actual competitor survey and, and getting the data? Because uh, it can always be, it, it can be tough to find data no matter what asset class we're in. Are you looking at any particular aggregators? Are you doing the work? I mean, how do you actually handle the nuts and bolts of getting the information? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, the last thing we want to do is rely on one particular source, right? So we do what we call triangulate. So we we look at, uh, we have some databases that we subscribe to that are that are not inexpensive. So we're, we're really relying on that data. We've got you know, one, two subscription services that we subscribe to, and then we have other free resources online. But at the end of the day, we take all that information, we actually get on the phone, our operations people get on the phone, they call those individual facilities in, the, in those markets to just make sure that all the numbers are lining up. And so we call that triangulating. So you know, we're not gonna get perfect information, no one ever will, but, but we think we get a really good feel for the market just based on those, those number of factors. So doing some uh, secret shopping over the phone, if you will, having, having folks do that, how do you actually sure. handle that? I mean, it sounds uh, the, the people you're calling get upset that they even know that you're doing some uh, secret shopping. Well, actually, Taylor, we're not even doing secret shopping. We're telling them, we're saying, hey, we're looking at acquiring a facility in your market. And can you tell us a little bit about your facility? And, you know, nine, eight or nine times out of 10, they'll be very forthcoming. It's, it's I think, self-storage, similar to multifamily, is, is kind of a, it's a community in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So everyone tries to help each other out by just providing that kind of information. Okay, interesting. So since you brought up multifamily and, and this book I have over my shoulder, multifamily millions, comparing self-storage with multifamily and all. A lot of times folks will bring up the the aspect of say, I don't use self-storage. I never have used self-storage. And that's true. I never have. And a lot of folks out there haven't, but I have lived somewhere my entire life. So I can see the demand side of multifamily and, and housing a lot better than I can see self-storage. What are your thoughts on the like resilience of that demand or is the demand really even there? You know, ultimately, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, comparing and contrasting multifamily and, and just as a side note, you know, I've been to a bunch of Dave Lindahl's, you know, events and actually started out looking in multifamily, but then I ended up in self-storage. 
And there are a couple couple reasons why is number one, like we touched on a little a little bit ago, it's it's very much a mom and pop driven industry. Uh, so the big names that you've heard of, public storage, extra space, cube smart, et cetera, those bigger guys only control about twenty-five percent of the of the self-storage market. The other seventy-five percent are moms and pops or you know, onesie twosie kinds of owners. And again, they're not really running it like business. They're not, you know, not really pushing rates. They're not analyzing their market. You know, they're just looking for that mailbox money. So we found that to be very attractive. Uh, another very attractive thing about self-storage is the operating expense ratio is typically about in the 35-ish percent range, which means that our net operating income is in the 65-ish percent range. So it'll, it gives us the ability, like in an uncertain time right now, you know, we're facing some headwinds right now. We can take a, a hit on our revenue. Like if we did have to lower rates or what have you, we have that cushion there. We can lower our rates if we even had to and still, you know, satisfy our debt and satisfy our investors. Now, that all being said, if you could look back in history, back into the, into the eighties, even the occupancy in self-storage facilities across the country has calmly and coolly wavered in like the 80 to 90% range. It's been a very steady asset class in that regard. Whereas, you know, the rest of the economy is kind of bouncing around like some kind of, you know, crazy roller coaster a lot of times with the, with the recessions and expansions, et cetera, et cetera. So we really like self-storage for that reason, that it is very steady. Actually, in, in good times, people are making money, right? And so they're like, ah, you know, I've got that $200 a month self-storage facility, you know, oh, I've got that, you know, Planet Fitness membership, you know, so they're like, oh, I'll just stick with it, especially because we try to put our, our customers on auto pay. And then when things are bad, you know, people are, you know, downsizing or moving or they're dislocated somewhere, somehow those folks actually need self-storage. So in bad times, storage is, is, is buoyed by, by those kinds of activities at death divorce, displacement, downsizing, you know, all those D words are really what help to keep the self-storage industry quite buoyant and resilient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To me, I'm kind of a minimalist. If I ever need a self-storage facility, I'll just get rid of all that crap as fast as yeah. I can, you know, yeah. temporary. I, the funny thing is I'm the same way. I've, I've never owned it. I've never rented a self-storage facility unit either, but I know there's plenty of people out there who do. My sister's a pack rat. She's, I think, has two units. <laughs> And so I, I think, and, and, you know, in terms of how people are living these days, right? I mean, you're a young fellow there, Taylor. And I, I, from what I understand, owning a smaller house, if, if even owning a house is kind of the way your generation's thinking, but they, you guys still want your toys, you know, you want your kayaks and your bikes and everything. So folks in that demographic are using self-storage as part of their overall housing strategy. You know, they want a smaller house so they can still maintain, you know, their mobility and not be overburdened with that. And so they use self-storage on, on the side. That's true. I, I might be a bad example in, in that direction of the, you know, early 30s generation. My fiance and I this past summer upgraded right. by a thousand square feet in our home. So I'll spend okay. a little more on my Thank home. It. I like having sure. a nice house. But anyway, yeah. so uh, starting your journey in multifamily uh, through Dave Lindahl and, and probably some others, and then ultimately shifting to the blue ocean of self-storage. Why did you choose to make that decision? Let's kind of walk through that process of, of why you made the shift. Because a lot of folks you know, have gone that way. Sure. Yeah. Like I touched on earlier, I think I just saw a lot more opportunity there. And 
you know, it's just funny how life works and how things unfold in front of you. I guess I just started meeting people who were who were in self-storage. My business partner, we went to a local self-storage um, you know, guru when they were coming through town. And it just, you know, just started resonating with us. We started meeting people and it was just kind of like the book over my shoulder, who not how. We started running into those who's that were guiding us sort of in that direction. Uh, as compared to multifamily, I met plenty of great people in, in multifamily when I was going to the Dave Lindahl events and such. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, the 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 way things unfolded for us, it just led us led us to self storage, and we're really happy about it. It's a, it's a great it's a great asset class. We've put a great team together, and uh, we're really excited about where we are, where we're That's headed. Great. That's great. So just to, I don't think we touched on this earlier. What's your what are your current holdings with your company. I don't think we dug into that and I'd like to touch on that. Sure. So today we've, we've acquired over uh, 250,000 square feet of storage. We currently have seven facilities in our in our portfolio. We've sold some and we have a number of facilities in the pipeline. So yeah, we're, we are a syndicator. So we're, we're raising equity and we do have some, some deals right around the corner here that are, that are going to require some some equity, but our, our goal, Taylor, is to acquire 150 million of self storage over the next three years. So 40 million next year, 50 million in 2024, and 60 million in 2025. So that's how we're charting that out. So awesome. we got a big offsite meeting tomorrow with our leadership team. Uh, we bring in a consultant, and we're going to be uh, further digging into that and charting that out. So awesome. Great. Yeah. So you mentioned who, not how, and your business partner, right? The business partners are very important in any business. How did you guys kind of come together and get into this business? And you know, how do you work together and manage that relationship? Sure. Yeah. It's it's it is funny, Taylor. So how we ended up becoming business partners. We uh, we were both you know pretty well injured in the Great Recession. Mm. You know, t- about twelve years ago now. And uh, I was in the residential world at that time, uh, and I was doing wholesaling and rentals and fix and flips and stuff. And that that market, you know, just became super difficult. And my business partner Joe Downs, he was actually in the commercial syndications world, and that whole world evaporated as well. So we were out. We met at a real estate investor networking event here in Philadelphia, and just turned out that we uh, we lived more or less in the same neighborhood. So we got together, you know, because he was looking to reinvent. I was looking to reinvent. We uh, connected at the local pub a couple of times and just sort of talked through things that we thought, you know, might be the next thing. And we just kind of clicked. And one of those nights at the pub, we flipped over, literally we flipped over a paper placemat and we charted out a, a business plan right then and there over over a couple drinks. And I think we connected though, Taylor, on you know, we had similar but different backgrounds. But I think we're we have very similar values and sensibilities. So, you know, Joe's got a family, I've got a family. You know, we wanted to we wanted to build a business that also allowed us to be there for our families and not, you know, be absentee fathers. So so that was important for both of us. And then just over the years we just, you know, we've just hung together and yeah, we've been through some good times and bad times. But again, I think because we do have similar core values and, and you know, we're kind of committed to, to building a great business here. Uh, we've just been able to to weather all that. Now we're now we're really happy where we are with, with our self-storage business. Awesome. Great. So in the time that we've been talking here uh, recorded and then also before we started recording, we did talk about a couple of books in particular, Who Not How, which is right over your shoulder. And you've touched on it here. I've had that book recommended to me so many times. Unfortunately, 
I have a lot of books on my list. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. But I'd like to dig a bit deeper into how you apply that who not how mentality, methodology, you know, whatever to your business, especially in light mm-hmm. of assume that I, which I haven't read the book, and let's assume our listener hasn't hasn't read the book either. So give us a rundown of what it means and then how you apply it. Sure, sure. So uh, who not how is is kind of like just what it sounds like. When you run into a problem or a situation, what you don't want to do is say, how do I fix this problem or how do I overcome this problem or, or this, this obstacle? You need to think more in terms of who can help, who's out there that has overcome this problem before, or who wrote a book about this problem or who has a mastermind group about this problem or you know, who has a connection that can help me get over, over this issue. So, so we use it and, and, and you really, in order to do it the best way and and how we've been implementing it, you really have to come at it with an abundance mindset, right? Because I know when I first went into business for myself, I was like, well, I need to do everything myself because, you know, if I have to bring in somebody else, I'm going to have to pay them or they're going to want something from me or blah, blah, blah. So I, that's a very bad way of thinking about these things. It's a very, it's a very you know, competitive way of thinking about things. So it, I, I heard someone say a long time ago that amateurs compete, professionals create. So we're out there trying to create relationships that can help us to uh, overcome these, these problems. <laughs> Interesting. I might have to write that one on the yeah. wall. Yeah, uh, yeah. Great. It's great. So, the, so in essence, Taylor, we're, we're, how we're using it and implementing it is we do belong to different mastermind groups, uh, one for self-storage, one for capital raising, actually two for capital raising. And so whenever we run into an issue, you know, we just reach out through, you know, thankfully you know, using technology you know, Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups, it will post things out there and just say, hey, you know, we're having an issue with this or with that, or hey, we just found this great contact that can help like with, you know, title work, for example, or legal work or, you know, SEC compliance, whatever it is. And we do uh, use virtual assistants as well. It's another tool that we've implemented to help us overcome some of these issues. And, And do they cost money? Well, sure they do. But if it's costing me a little bit of money to overcome a problem that's going to help me get to a much larger business, then that's a no-brainer, right? So I think you need to go into the who, not how mindset with also with an abundance mindset. Great. And that it, it can be difficult to cultivate an abundance mindset, but it's important in entrepreneurship. How do you think about you know business ownership and entrepreneurship is really, I've heard a lot of folks say, and I agree with this, that it's really allocation of capital. We're putting capital in the right places and abundance mindset or not, the, amount, the number of dollars we all have at any given moment is finite, right? And we only have so many you know, chips to play, if you will, not to use the casino uh, <laughs> analogy here. But right. how do you identify those particular areas of weaknesses, particularly in the realm of, say, say hiring, maybe VAs or something? Like, who am I going to put in this seat? What seat do I need to put somebody in in the first place? And making the, the most optimal, you know, 80-20 analysis type of investment in the business by hiring someone. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's obviously, you know, as business leaders, you know, we need to allocate our our capital and our time and our efforts in the most efficient way that we can. And it can be a challenge. It's uh, there, we have, especially right now, we have tons of competing priorities. We have a very active acquisition funnel. Uh, we're trying to implement a new capital raising system. So, and 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 we have like coordination is a big thing. You know that 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 helps us to get our, our deals across the finish line. But that's, you know, the coordination is super important, 
but it's not a super high paid kind of venture, right? So we use virtual assistants to help us with the transaction coordination. So, you know, making sure we have all the seller deliverables and that, you know, we're getting our lender the information that they need. So for me, like as a business leader and a high income earner, I don't want to spend my time on work that can be done by a, you know, $50 an hour virtual assistant and, and or less. So it is hard, but that's just another way of implementing, you know, the who, who not how mentality and just, you know, making sure that, you know, I'm working on that, on activities that are at my appropriate level. So for example, I'm spending time with you today on this podcast because one of the things we're doing at Bellrose Storage Group, and for me in particular as the chief investment officer, I'm trying to work my way a thought leadership position in the self-storage industry. So in order to do that, I need to come on shows like yours, Taylor, and sound like I know what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes to self-storage. And, you know, and then offer our investors, you know, great opportunities to put their money to work and then deliver on those expectations. So that's really the high val- the high level activities that I need to spend my time on and not the uh, you know the more administrative and clerical kinds of things. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Are there any key hires or people that you put in place? I mean, you did actually mention one in terms of uh, folks helping you with the transaction, but any others that come to mind that really helped you guys, you know, take a step up in the business, reach that next level? Sure. Yeah. Well, we're actually in the middle of that right now. And speaking of competing priorities, yeah, it's really difficult to hire right now. So we've been we've been looking to bolster our accounting and back office team for a while now, and we just haven't been successful. We'll be in the interview process with someone we really like, and the next thing you know, you know, they're they're accepting an offer from someone er- somewhere else. And we're trying to be dis- just like everything else we do. We try to be disciplined with our hiring process, and and unfortunately, sometimes we just can't get through it quick enough. So. One of the things we're looking at doing right now is we do have an accounting team in-house, but we are going to need to outsource a a good chunk of our accounting so that, you know, we can keep things running smoothly. Because as we grow and every facility that we acquire, it's another bank account, it's another set of utility bills, it's another set of investor distributions, you know, and so all those things really take a lot of the back office time and effort. So we, we need to make sure, again, as leaders, and 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 bringing in outside capital, we need to make sure we're properly servicing that capital. It's one thing to raise it; it's another thing to service it as you're going on later. So we need to make sure those investor reports are getting out on a timely basis and accurately, and that they're telling you know telling the story of what's going on with the facility that investors uh, you know put their hard-earned money in. So so we take all that very seriously and. And uh, yeah, just the way the world is working right now, we, we I'd prefer actually, maybe because I'm a little more old school, but I'd prefer to have someone here under our roof in the office, but it looks like we're going to have to go into more of an outsourced model there. Interesting. Okay, cool. I'm glad we uh, dug into that and you're getting people to help execute, especially on the financial side of the deals with the accounting and everything and, and some mm-hmm. of that back end so you can focus on growing, you know, on your partic- particular aspect of the growth Mm -hmm. of the business. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. 
Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Tom, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Got it. Well, you just took away a huge uh, answer, Taylor, because education (laughs) really is is super important. In fact, I I remember, you know, back to our Dave Lindahl discussion, I remember running into a a young man at a Dave Lindahl event. He was there with his dad. I think he was maybe 20-ish. And he was telling me how he he didn't go to college because he thought he would get a better bang for his buck if he went to these real estate investment kind of seminars and such. So I thought that was super cool. But yeah, I would say outside of education, I would say, you know, investing in in your team. Like we touched on a, a few minutes ago, we were talking about, you know, building, you know, getting the right people around you, getting the right team. And I think that's a very, very worthwhile investment because, you know, if you have good people around you, it's really going to help you level up your business. And if you have the wrong people around you, you can work the other way. <laughs> and I've been in both situations. But, you know, finding those good people, good teammates who are going to really, you know, go arm in arm with you into battle and, you know, get these get these deals done and across the finish line. I think that's a, that's a, a very worthwhile investment is is your not only your internal team, but also your external team. So joining things like mastermind groups and just get it, you know, building your network out, I think is a very, very good investment for sure. Great. So we had your best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Yeah, the worst investment, geez, I'd have to say it's almost the opposite. It's when I first went into business for myself, I I failed to make the investments I should have made. And I tried to do everything myself. And I tried to, you know, because I was thinking, well, I got to, you know, I got to make this money and blah, blah, blah. And it really ended up backfiring on me big time. And, uh, and I think, you know, not making that investment or is, is kind of like making a bad investment, right? If you, if you allow me to spin it that way, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly, that's certainly huge. And again, it kind of, again, go back to the earlier in our conversation, you know, having a scarcity mindset as opposed to an abundance mindset, you know, it's, is, is a bad investment. So I would say, you know, open up, open up your mind, you know, Go into things with an abundance mindset, try to get the right people around you and, and they'll help you get your business to the next level for sure. Gotcha. Great. I'll allow it and we'll take that answer. <laughs> okay. Thank you. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Sure. Well, I think, uh, you know, investing wise, it's, you know, there's always another deal out there. So if you're, if you're looking at a deal, you're evaluating a deal, something doesn't look right. Something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Move on to the next one. Don't ever feel like you have to close a deal. You have to move forward with something if it's not feeling quite right. Because even even though like, you know, times right, like right now, it, it is challenging to find good deals in self-storage or multifamily because everything's, you know, a lot of prices have been bid up in the last few, few months or years. So yeah, I think it's important to stay disciplined and, you know, stick stick to what makes sense and don't, you know, don't overreach for sure. I would say that's, that's super important, especially for investors today that are maybe trying to get out of Wall Street and into alternative investments like self-storage or multifamily or whatever. I think it's important to, you know, be disciplined, you know, get educated, you know, look at a lot of deals and eventually, you know, the one will pop out that looks really good to you. Great. So I would say that's on the investing side, that's, that's what I would say there. 
Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing these lessons. I'm even more inspired now to read Who Not How. It's going <laughs> to remain on my list, but I'm going to work my way to it before I buy it. Yeah. For our listeners out there who want to get in touch, want to learn more about you, what you're up to, anything like that, want to get some of your content, where can they track you down? Sure, Taylor. Again, thanks for, thanks for having me today. BellroseStorageGroup.com is a great place to start to get to know me and, and the rest of our company. And just as a value add to the investor community out there, like I was just talking about a minute ago with the you know, trying to get out of the Wall Street casino and and getting into alternative investments like self-storage or multifamily it's, or any any others can be kind of daunting and, and difficult. So one thing we've done uh, here since, since I've been a you know high net worth and alternative investor since 2006, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done some good stuff, but along the way, you know, I've definitely learned some lessons. And so we, we compiled it into a, in a book that we call the safe investing method. And so it's available at our website. It's, uh, it's nothing fancy, but it is, it is full of questions basically that investors should be asking. So it's, it's the safe investment method and safe is an acronym just for a quick Taylor. It's S is for sponsor. Who's the, who's running the deal? What's their background? What's their experience? A is for asset. What is the asset that you're actually investing in? It surprises me. Sometimes people don't really know what they're investing in. You know, knock, knock crypto investors out there. I don't know what you're investing in. And then F is financials. What are the projections? What are the returns? Does it fit investment goals of income, growth, capital preservation? And then E is exit. How do I get out of this thing? I can't go to schwab.com and click, 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 sell my position in a Bellrose storage group deal. Unfortunately, maybe in the future. So the investor has to be comfortable with how long they're going to be in a particular deal. What has to happen for, for that transaction to come to an end? How do you get your money back? Who's responsible for what? You know, it's kind of those types of questions. So and invite folks to go to bellroadstoragegroup.com to pick that up for free. No email needed, no name, no nothing. It's just there as a, as a value add to the investor community out there. Great. Well, it sounds like a, an awesome piece of content and very helpful. And you've been very helpful today for our listeners. I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.